Are we ready, babe? So I came over here on Friday, and I, ha- I didn't come Thursday because I was wore out, and I came Friday instead. So I came Friday morning to, to, to sit in the church and pray for a while and, and, and work on my own spiritual being and, and also work on my message for the church and things I do around here. But when I showed up to the church, there was cobwebs across the door handles out there. And it spoke to me. The Spirit spoke to me immediately and said, said some of us have cobwebs on our hearts. Some of, us cob- co- some of us have cobwebs on our spirits. And if we have cobwebs on our hearts and our spirits, then some of us probably have dust on our Bibles. Are you following me? What do you do when you see cobwebs? Well, there are three types of people when they see cobwebs. Some of them say, ew, and they don't want to go anywhere near that, and they'll walk right by it. Some of them don't even want to look at the cobwebs. They'll pretend like they're not there, right? I'm talking about spiritually and physically, but you can see physical cobwebs. Some of them will do that, and they'll pretend that they're not there. Sometimes people will knock them down occasionally when they see them. They'll knock it down, and, 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 and then... They'll go on. So, um, if they're, if they're convicted or if the cobwebs are real bad, they'll knock them down, right? Or if they come to church and they hear a message and it convicts them, then they'll knock those cobwebs down to the spirit. They'll come make a new commitment with God, but then they'll go right back out and let those webs grow again. Are you following me? So, and then the third type of person is the one who knocks the cobwebs down and they're continually doing that thing. They're, they're being continually renewed. That's the title of my message today. Continually renewed. When you're continually knocking those webs down, when you're continually, if you're, if you're picking this Bible up every day and you're reading it every day and you're getting into your word, it doesn't even get dust on it. You don't have to dust it off because it gets moved around and that dust gets jostled loose and it, and it gets off there. Your, your, your hands touch it and those things and it, get, it, it doesn't get dusty at all. You don't have to dust it off. So there are people who are continually in those things right there, right? So, so if you're anything but a number three, every, everybody fits in one of those categories and you fit, you fit in one of them today, but you fit in maybe a different category before. Are you following me? Because sometimes when you come into God and you get on fire for God, are y'all going to be quiet all day? Because I'm a participatory preacher, right? And if we, need, we get some head nodding, some amen, some hallelujahs. If you're led by the Spirit, jump up and run around the church. We get some of this going on. I'll be able to get you out of here by noon. If not, we're going to be here for a while. I hope you all brought some snacks. So <laughs> if you're anything but a three, then we need, we, need to, we need to deal with that today. We need to get it corrected, right? And not that I'm here to get on to you or I'm not speaking to you from a soapbox because I got dealt with this first. Right. And sometimes we need to be corrected. Sometimes we need to get things right. And you could be a three today, but maybe yesterday you were two. Right. Maybe tomorrow you'll be a two. So listen up, even if this doesn't fit you today, because we all we all get in different situations. Spiritually, I'm talking about we wind up in in different situations at different seasons in our life. Is that true? I like that better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're agreeing with me. That's awesome. So I don't want to preach to If you think I'm wrong on that right there, look at look at the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, they were constantly in and out of it with God, right? They were constantly being ones and twos and threes, right? They were constantly just, and, and look at King David. He was a man after God's own heart. If you, think you're, if you think you're immune to this, King David was a man after God's own heart. Yet he committed adultery. Yet he committed murder, right? He wasn't being a three on that day. He wasn't continuously being renewed by, by God. So I don't want to preach at you today. I never want to preach at you, and I feel like I do that sometimes. Preaching at you would be me being up on a platform, preaching down to you, and you fall asleep, right? You're not receiving it well because it's not done out of love. But I want to be able to preach to you where we're on a level playing field and I preach to you out of love for my heart for you, out of love from, from, from God because God said, if you love me, feed my sheep, sheep. And that's what a pastor's job is, is to feed the sheep, right? You're the sheep and I'm the shepherd. So I'm supposed to feed you and keep you safe spiritually and pour into you the message that God gives me to give to you. So I want to give those out of love. And when they're given out of love, then the sheep receive them. 
And they'll accept correction when it's given out of love. If you need correction, then you come to the right place. You should get correction in the house of God. And let's get our, our, our life straightened up the way they need to be. I'm not saying that you're off in a big sin or, or something's wrong. But if there is, then receive the correction. As long as it's biblical, right? Receive the correction, apply it to your life, and change. And change. You'll be blessed by that. That's how God engineered it. That's how God designed us to live. So in 1 Samuel, my main text today is it's, it's in 1 Samuel. Um, it's chapter 4 if you're going there, if you're turning your Bible. But it's, I'm going to give you the, ba- the background on it first, though. In 1 Samuel, Israel was occupied by the, by the Philistines. This is after David and Goliath. You've all heard that story, right? Yeah. The Philistines were a descendant of Ham, right? Noah's three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Japheth, the Philistines were, were a descendant of Ham, though. And in chapter 4, they fought, and there were 4,000. They, they were camped in two different camps, and there were 4,000 Israelites killed. Right? On one day of battle, 4,000 were killed. So they had the bright idea, let's send back word and let's get them to bring the Ark of the Covenant out, right? They're representative of God, right? That's, that's where, what uh, they looked at as God, I guess. They got to look at that way sometimes anyway. But, but it was their representative of God. So they sent back, let's get the Ark of the Covenant and let's bring it out here on the battlefield so that God will be with us and he'll protect us and no more of us will die because they lost 4,000 people in one day. <clears throat> you get this? So... The sons of Eli, Eli was the high priest at this time. <clears throat> and, and his sons, I, I don't remember the name at this time, but they broke the law by going in. They weren't allowed. Only the high priest was allowed to go into the holiest of holies inside the inner, in, inner part of the tent, in the inner part of the tabernacle. Only one time a year he was allowed to go in there. So the sons of Eli got the big idea since they sent for, for help from, from the Ark of the Covenant, and, and they were going to go in there and get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it out to the battlefield. They broke the law when they went in there as well as defiling the Ark of the Covenant. They weren't supposed to be there. So it was prophesied on them that they would both die in one day. Both the sons of Eli would die in one day. So in first, And they did. In 1 Samuel 4, 5 through 8 says this. <clears throat> and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, <clears throat> all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Can you imagine that? The whole nation of Israel, you ever been in the Chiefs Stadium when they start shaking that thing and they start stomping on the ground and they're clapping and they're screaming and they're hollering? And you can just feel the concussion off that. Can you imagine this being like this? And in that time, they didn't have machineries. They didn't have, they didn't have airplanes flying over. So it would have been quiet. Are you following me? Like at my house, I live in the country and it's quiet. And I'm a long way from the highway, but you can hear... Motorcycles go on the highway and stuff sometimes because the sound carries so far. So when this whole nation over there was screaming and, and, and yelling so loud that the ground shook, can you imagine it got their attention? Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Now this was on the heels of the day before they just killed 4,000 Hebrew people. Right? And now they're over here excited and they're shouting, they're shaking the ground. So they're saying, what's up with this? What's this about? <clears throat> Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. <clears throat> so the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come to the camp, has come into the camp, and, and they said, Woe to us, for such a thing as has never happened. They knew the stories that happened before. They knew, they'd heard the stories, these Philistines had heard the stories how the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. How they crossed the Red Sea. They heard the stories of the plagues that had came on Egypt. They heard the stories of how God threw everyone out of the, out of the land that they were living in for the Israelites to come in and possess it. They heard the story of how God was on the Israelites' side. So when what they thought was God showed up, they thought they were in deep trouble. Are you following me? Yeah. Come on, sis. Is that, was that it? 
Oh, woe to us who will deliver, who will deliver us from, from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who, who struck the Egyptians with the plagues in the wilderness. So they knew the stories of all these things right here. There were three thousand, and then they, they, they decided to go ahead and muster up their courage. And they said, if we don't stand against the Israelites right now, we'll be subject unto them. Because at that time, Israel was subject unto the, under the Philistines. Are you following me? They, they, they were occupied by them. So they, they went and they fought again. <clears throat> and 30,000 Israelites were killed that day. Think about that. They thought they brought God there with them. <clears throat> 30,000 of them were slain that day. The ark was captured. They took the ark back to their camp, right? They had it for seven months and they decided to give it back because God brought so many plagues on them. But, but we're not going that far into this today. So how could they be defeated? And how could they lose the ark when, when they had God on their side? Remember, I preached not very long ago that when God's on your side, nothing's impossible. Anybody remember that? Nothing's impossible. So how could these Israelites have, have been defeated? How could they have had 30,000 lost on that day? How could they lose the Ark of the Covenant to the enemy? Think about that. The Israelites recognized the great holiness and the great power of God. They did. They did. But they thought that it was the wood and the metal box itself that was the source of the power. You see, they left God out of it. They left God out of the equation. They were in disobedience to God. Right? They had defiled the temple by going into the temple to bring him out, to bring it out there. So they thought that the power was in that box of the Ark of the Covenant. The, the power is with God Almighty, though. God uses, they, they, they used God as, as a, they thought the wood and metal box itself was the source but, and, and was able to protect them, that box was. But God, and, and they used him as a good luck charm, kind of like we do our Bible, right? Sometimes we do. We say, I'm a Christian. I got God on my side. We got this going on for us. I go to church down there, but are we thinking that this right here is the power? It is the power, but you got to get in the power and you got to be in subjection to God. You got to do what he calls us to do. You got, you got to submit to God. You got to resist the enemy. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but God, God uses his power according to his own wisdom and according to his own will. We can't just take this Bible and throw it around anywhere and think it's going to work for us the way the promises inside of it said it's going to work. Just no more than they could take that box out there on the battlefield and think they've, they've won the battle just because they've got this box here. Because that's not where the power is at. This is not where the power is at is in this paper and this leather. It's the word inside the paper. You get that? Does that make sense? It's the word and the power. But, but we have to be submitted to it, though. He responds to the faith of those seeking him, submitted to him. That's what he'll respond to. These 3,300 promises in this book, they are good. They're timeless. They're good for all times. They were good for the people in the Old Testament as well. They're going to be for my ancestors as if God tarries that long. They'll be good for my, my great-grandkids if God tarries that long. But they have to be submitted to God's will. Are you following me? So we have to be submitted. He responds to the faith of those who are seeking him, who are submitted to him. James 4, 7 says, submit God, resist the devil or the enemy, and he will flee from you. doesn't say he might flee from you doesn't say maybe he'll flee from you. It says he will flee from you. If you do what? Two things, right? You got to do two things. You got to submit to God and you got to resist the enemy, right? Submit means to yield or surrender oneself to or surrender oneself to will or, or to the will or the authority of another. So what's God's will? God is in authority, right? But we have to surrender or, or yield ourselves to that. You have to be humble to do that, right? You can't be heady and high-minded and surrender yourself to something. 
You can't be trying to figure out how to outsmart the Word of God and be surrendered to the Word of God, is what I'm trying to say to you. Are you following me? You can't think that your ways are higher than God's ways and be surrendered to the will of God. Right? We have to humble ourselves. We have to bring ourselves under the will of God. We have to bring ourselves under our pastor. Right? That's how God designed it, right? We're all subject to, we're all subject to the pastor. I'm subject to God. We're all subject to someone. We have to surrender. We're subject to our boss. We have to surrender ourselves to that authority, though. So we have to humble ourselves to do that. <clears throat> and James 1.22 says, Be a doer of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. If you're just hearing these words and you're not doing these words, if you're not surrendered to these words, if you're surrendered to these words, you're going to be doing them. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Yeah. You can't say, Amen, yes, sir. Yeah, brother, preach it. And then go out here and act the same way you was acting before. Right. If you're surrendered to God's will, you're going to look different. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. You're going to look different. You're going to apply it to your life. You're going to want to be different. You're going to see things that are wrong with yourself, and you're going to seek the word of God. You might come to your pastor and ask questions about it. If you come to me, I'm going to give you the word of God. But you're going to seek the word of God for your answers. That's where it's at. He's our source for everything. He's our source for everything. So you also you have to submit, but you also have to resist. You have to, and resist means to strive or work against, oppose actively. Actively. Think about that last word right there. You can't just be laid back and say, I'll get to it when I get to it, preacher. It's not that bad. It's just a weakness of mine. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. We consider smaller sins, we consider them just weaknesses. But it'll be all right, I'll get to straight to that one. I already gave up all these big things. I've already came this far right here. I'm good enough. But it's not good enough. We have to be subject to God, and we have to oppose actively the plan of the enemy. His plan is destroy us, right? Submit. Now look at this. Submit means to yield yourselves and surrender to God, and God's loving, right? And that's the opposite of resisting or, or opposing actively our enemy. Your enemy hates you. Two totally, two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. But sometimes we get caught up resisting God. We all do it from time to time, whether we mean to do it and we blatantly do it or we accidentally do it, but we all resist God from time to time. Church, we've got to, we've got to check ourselves on this right here. If you find that you're in the wrong on this today, you need correction. <clears throat> we need correction. I had to correct myself on this before I came to bring this to you. Don't think just because I'm a preacher, I can't get things in front of God because I can. I mess up real good sometimes. Not that I get out into some big sins and you all aren't going to see me at the bar or anything like that. But, but what I'm saying to you is we all get our priorities out of whack sometimes. We have jobs. We have, we, have, we have houses we have to take care of. We have children. We have church. We have our spiritual, our own personal spiritual life. We have all these things right here, and it's easy to get them mixed up sometimes, right? So in 1 Samuel, they resisted the enemy. They did. They did half of it. But they weren't submitted to God. So what happened? They were destroyed. They lost. 43,000, or 34,000 of them, I mean to say, 34,000 of them died. They had a form of godliness. Did they not? They had a form of godliness, a symbol, a symbol of former victories. Church, we have a symbol of former victories right here, right here. But are they still active in our lives? Is Jesus Christ active in your life every day? I'm talking about a continuous renewal. We have to be continually renewed or we're backing up. If we're not going forward, we're backing up. There's no holding still. There's no standing still in, in the kingdom. There's no standing still in here because if you're not going forward, you will fall back. 
It's only a matter of time. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. How many of you all believe we live in the last days? I believe we're in the last of the last days. I can't prove this biblically. If I told you I could, I'd be lying to you. The Bible says no man knows the day or time, right? But I believe because of all the prophecies and things that I see, the evidence looks like it's going to happen in my lifetime. The evidence looks like I'll still be alive when Jesus steps out on that cloud. So I believe that we're living in the last of the last days. But if we would all believe that and get it down inside of us, we'd be preaching and teaching to everybody in our families, everybody we come across. If you really believe that, you'd be telling everybody you came across zealously that they need to get saved. They need to get in the house of God. They need to be, do their part in the church, right? Being, being one of the members of the body we talked on last week. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, <clears throat> Unloving, unforgiving, we talked about that in Sunday school, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, headstrong right there, see that you can't be subject to God when you're headstrong, we talk about the last days, go ahead babe, having a form of godliness, godliness but denying the power thereof, that's what they did wasn't it, keep that one up there for a second, that's what they did right there right, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They had that box there, so they thought they had it in the bag. God's here with us. I got my Bible. I got my cross necklace on. And then we're mad because God's not delivering the way we think he ought to deliver in our time, the way we think, when he think he ought to do it. And, if, and from such people turn away. Looks like a picture of the world, doesn't it? It's an exact picture of the world. The problem is, though, that sometimes the world creeps into the church. Think about that. We see, I'm not saying that this happened everywhere all the time, but we see isolated incidences of this in the church, right? We're not, we're, we're being perfected, but we still see these things happen in the church. It creeps into the church, and how? How are these things creeping into the church when they're totally opposed to what God's will is? Totally opposed to what God tells us how to live in the Bible. How is that? Because the world, the world's creeping into the church because the church is creeping into the world. We're playing on their playgrounds. We're going to places we shouldn't be going. We're living ways we shouldn't be living. We're hanging out with the wrong crowd that we shouldn't be hanging out with. God's words, we got dust on our Bible, church. We got dust on our spirits and on our hearts, some of us do. I'm not saying all of us do today, but it happens. It happens to the best of us. Are you following me? Getting real quiet right here. Maybe about to back up and run through here again, right? I'm in the right spot when it gets quiet, I know. So, so the world's cre- the, the church is creeping in the world. We only have a form when that happens. We only have a form of godliness. The whole church is the church as a whole has turned from God. And I'm not talking about just this local body right here. I'm talking about across the world. You don't see the power in the churches they used to have. You think we do? Read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. They were healed just by shadows of Peter walking by. People were healed. They cast out demons on on a daily daily event happened. They spoke in tongues. It was, it, it was as natural for them to speak in tongues as it was for you to drink a glass of water. You think we're living in the power like we should be? It's not God's fault. The ball's in our court, but we have to get it right with God. We've got to make up with God, whatever that takes. We've got to be a number three, one who's being continuously refilled, continuously keeping this Bible dusted off, continuously getting in his word and reading. reading. How do we do that? I mean, we have to get in our word. You, have, you can't just pray. If you're just praying, 
and you're hearing from whoever you're hearing from, how do you know it lines up with the Word of God? Even if you believe you're hearing from the Spirit, it has to be checked by the Word of God. If you're not reading the Word of God, you've got no idea what the Word of God says. So how can you live up to His standards if you don't know what His standards are? Let me put it to you like this. If my wife, if my wife wrote me a love letter and she left it on the kitchen cabinet, if she left it on the kitchen cabinet where I get my bread from or something, you know, and, and I didn't read that letter by, the, by, by tomorrow, she's going to be wanting to know why I didn't read it. If I didn't read it by next week, she's really going to be wanting to know why I didn't read it. If I didn't read it by next month, there's going to be trouble in paradise. Are you following me? God wrote this letter to us. He wrote all this to us. It, it, it's, it, it, it talks about us. It talks to us. It teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to be righteousness. Right? It prepares us. We've got to get in his word and read his word. It's, it's important to pray, too. I'm not discounting prayer, but you got, it goes along with reading of the word. You've got, you, you got to read. We've got to pray, not you. We have to read. We have to pray. We, we've got the audio Bibles. We, we can listen to his word. Are you following me? Get around people of like faith. When you're hanging out with people in the world, they're not going to be talking about the Bible. They're not going to be lifting you up. They're going to be pulling you down. That's why we assemble ourselves. That's why we're all members of the body. That's why the members all work together to reach out and pull other members into the body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We all want to see our family saved. <clears throat> they only had a form of godliness, though. Uh, in, in the book of Samuel, Samuel was not eligible to be the high priest because he wasn't a direct descendant of Aaron. Right? So, so he was a judge, but he saw a great revival in Israel during his time. Church, we need a great revival we can set up a tent out here. We can have an evangelist. We could do that. But would it change our hearts? Would it dust our heart off? We need a personal revival. We've got to get in on a personal level. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a tent and having an evangelist out here. But if we're not prepared to get into it with God, if we're not prepared to be subject to God, if we're not prepared to humble ourselves to come into subjection to him, then the tent would just be a waste of our time. Church, I'm asking you today, I'm going to ask you to make a new commitment with God. Jesus was submitted. I'm asking you to make a commitment to God to submit and resist is what I'm talking about here, to be continually refilled. Jesus was submitted, right? He fasted for 40 days and prayed for 40 days. I've, I don't know a human alive who's ever done that. Anybody done that? 40 days and 40 nights without any food, only water, and only praying to God? That's pretty submitted then, wouldn't you say? But the enemy still came. The enemy still came. The enemy still attacked him. Jesus resisted, and he fled. He did flee. He came against him. He took God's word, and he twisted God's word, and he perverted it, and he manipulated it just a little bit, put enough truth in it to make it believable, and said, here you go, and try to give it to God, try to give it to, to Jesus. Jesus knew God's word, though. When the world comes against you, when the enemy comes against you, if you haven't been in your word, how will you know what the word says? How will you know what's true and what's a lie? We've got to be in our word. We've got to be immersed in our word daily. So the enemy came, he, he resisted, and the enemy fled. So in the parable of the house that was built on the sand, right? They built one house on the sand and one house on the rock. It didn't matter which foundation it was built on. The storm still came. It still came. doesn't matter what you're built on, what you're submitted to. The storm's still going to come. The one that was submitted, though, stood the test. The one that was built on the word stood the test of time. Stood through the test. Some feel like giving up here today. God gave me this earlier in the week. Some of y'all here feel like giving up today. At least one of you do. Maybe multiple of you feel like giving up today. 
I got to tell you that there's, there's, there's nothing to go back to. What are you going to give up to? Where would you go back to? You came to God looking for a change. And then to go back to that again, what would that be? Maybe you're here today and you feel like your life is built up on that sand. You feel like things are falling apart around you. The earth's shifting. Right? Maybe that's you today. There's nothing to go back to. There's nowhere to go back to. There's only to go forward. We need to continually be renewed. If that's you today, maybe God gave me this message just for you. But we have to be continually renewed. I have one more scripture for you. 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 14. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So this is after Solomon had had sacrificed uh, 22,000 Sheep and all kinds of things he sacrificed, a bunch of it. This took days. It was 20-something days this went on after they just built this new temple. And they made all these sacrifices to ask God to come and be in this place, to ask God to bless this place. And, and, and Solomon, or God came to Solomon and talked to him. And when, he shut, and when I shut up heaven, so he says, I'm accepting this place. I've accepted your sacrifices. You're good with me. Just like we do when we come to God, right? We ask him for forgiveness, and he says he, he forgives us and, and picks us up out of the clay and puts us up on the rock, right? And then he expects us to get in our word and pray and, and listen to him and, and hear from his spirit and apply those things to our life. But he says, but when I shut up heaven and, and there is no rain or command the, the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Who is he talking to there? He's not talking to the world, right? He's talking to the church will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Church, are you ready to be healed today? Are you ready to be forgiven today? God wants to forgive you. God wants to pick you up and set you back up where you're supposed to be. His son, his daughters. Are you ready for that today? Are you ready to be healed, forgiven? Are you ready to be renewed and restored? If that's you today and you need those things, come to the altar. Come to the altar. He says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. He doesn't want to humble you. He will in the end if you don't humble yourself. Humble yourself. Call out to him. Seek his face. Seek his face. Ask for forgiveness. Make it right with God. Then he'll heal your land. Right? Then he'll forgive your sins. Are you following me? Then he'll, he'll, he'll pick you back up and put you back in the place where you're, where you're supposed to be, just like the prodigal son. Just like the prodigal son, he was out, and he was out of the will of the father. He was out gallivanting around the world, doing the things that he wanted to do. But when he came back home, his dad restored him. Not only did he give him clothes to put on, he killed the fatted calf for him. Not only did he kill the, cat, kill the fatted calf, he put a ring on his finger. He put a ring on that finger, completely restored his son. God wants to completely restore us today. He wants to restore us today. We have to humble ourselves, church. Can we all pray together? Thank you, Daddy, for this day, Lord. We praise you, Father God. We magnify your name, Father God. We just, we just thank you, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. Saints, go ahead and pray with me if you would.
still have a couple people at the altar, so be mindful of that if you would. We'll go ahead and close in prayer, and if you need to leave, you slip out the door quietly, not to disrupt the ones at the altar if we could. Daddy, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Father. And we just, we just praise you, mighty name, Lord. I thank you for the people who came to make new commitments, Lord, who came to humble themselves today, Father God. I pray that you wouldn't let us forget this when we walk out this door today, Lord, that we don't just have our Sunday etiquette on, Lord, that we're just not sweeping the cobwebs off, Lord, and we're going to let them come right back, Father. But I pray that you would remind us of it daily, Lord, all of us, Father God, that we need constantly refilled by you, Father God. We need to be constantly be submitted to you, Lord, and resist the enemy, Lord. When he comes against us, we know he's going to come, Father. But give us the wisdom, Lord, to recognize it, Lord, and the strength to resist him, Father God. Actively resist the enemy, Father God. Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Have your way on this day, Dad. Have your way in our lives, Father. We pray that you'll protect us until we're back here at our next appointed time, Father. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Daddy. Amen.